Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached by me, the Reverend Mike Angel, at the festival service celebrating the life and ministry of Dr. Martin Luther King, January 17th, 2021. In the name of the loving, life-giving, liberating God. Amen. Last week in the sermon, I made a statement that ruffled some feathers. I said I wasn't ready to pray for peace. After the white terrorist attack on the U.S. Capitol, I'm not ready to pray for reconciliation, for unity. I got some feedback, and I thought I would spend some time in the sermon today talking about why I'm not ready to talk about unity. I'm not ready to talk about reconciliation. I said last week, I am praying for conversion. I want to explain a bit more about what I mean. Let me start with today's story from Exodus. Moses finds himself on holy ground in front of the burning bush. When Moses hears God's call, he isn't sure. Who am I to go to Pharaoh? Who am I? Remember, Moses doesn't have a clean record. Moses is on the run. Moses is settled in his father-in-law's house because he's on the run from the law. He killed an Egyptian slave master. Moses imagines he is the last person God would want. Moses is a criminal. It's a risk. But God says, get going. I'm sending you. Moses needs to change his mind about his eligibility, about his suitability. Moses needs to quite literally give his life to God. God is asking for a conversion. I was struck this week as I spent time with this story. God did not send Moses to work for peace. God did not send Moses to work for reconciliation. God sent Moses to work for liberation. After the passing of the Civil Rights Act in 1964 and the Voters' Rights Act of 1965, Dr. King went to spend some downtime in Jamaica. He needed some time for reflection and rest. His life had been arduous, on the road, in jail, worried about the threats against his life and his family. After the landmark wins, Dr. King took some time to contemplate what came next. After the laws were passed, There were still riots in Watts, California, and worker strikes up in Detroit, Michigan. Dr. King took some downtime in Jamaica to think and to pray, and he wrote his fourth and final book. Its title is this, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community? The Reverend Dr. Howard John Wesley of Alfred Street Baptist Church in the Washington, D.C. area says, we are still asking that question today. Where do we go from here? Chaos or community? Dr. King's question is still alive. And Dr. King's book strikes me as a bit like a moment later in the book of Exodus, a little bit later than what we read this morning. And Moses' journey beyond Pharaoh After he accepted the call, after the frogs and the locusts and the Passover, after the plagues, after Pharaoh let the people go, after Pharaoh changed his mind and pursued them, 
after God parted the Red Sea for the people of Israel and then drowned Pharaoh's armies, after all that struggle, they're still not home. Dr. King found himself pay, praying with Moses, even after the big fights were over, knowing that the journey was just beginning. You still have to choose. Are you going to wander around in the desert or make your way to the promised land? There's been a great deal of debate in our nation over the last week and a half. And some so folks said after the attack, this is not who we are. This is not who we are. Other folks, including a number of my friends who are involved with the Black Lives Matter movement, said, no, this is exactly who we are. The attack on the Capitol is yet one more symptom of a social disease. We could debate the meaning and merits of the arguments until we are blue in the face. But a professor of mine from college asked a question that, for me, cut through it all this week. He asked... You know, whether he said, whether you say this is not who we are or this is exactly who we are, he said that matters less than your answer to this question. Is this who we want to be? Is this who we want to be? My professor's question asks us to choose a direction, to make a turn. Is this who we want to be? That's a question that invites conversion. We are deciding where we want to go from here. In the story from Exodus, God makes two promises to Moses. The first is pretty critical. God tells Moses, I will be with you. When you work for justice, when you work to set people free, God will be with you. The reading finishes with a second promise, a crucial promise. God promises Moses... When the people are set free, after you bring them out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. Sometimes people ask me, what makes church different than a social justice organization? Why spend time with religion when you could do just as much, maybe more good, if you got involved in politics or volunteering? I might start pointing to this verse in Exodus. Because for God, freedom has a direction. Real freedom, real liberation comes when you are free to worship the one true God. In order to move toward justice, you have to know where your loyalties lie. You have to be willing to examine your conscience, your belief. You have to be willing to give your life to the ultimate power behind it all. It's a moment of conversion. It's a moment of really asking, what is religion for if it's not about who we believe we are in front of God in the midst of this world? I told you last week I'm praying for conversion before I can pray for reconciliation, before I can pray for unity, before I can pray for peace. I believe our country is in desperate need of conversion. As deeper analysis of the riot in Washington came out, more and more stories, more and more images centered on what I can only call false religion. The Confederate flag, even Nazi symbols, were prominently displayed. 
And the false religion of white supremacy is as old as this country. We have worshipped at its altar for a long, long time. I'm praying for my own conversion, my own ongoing conversion, and for the conversion of all those who would disenfranchise black voters, all those who would wear or wave racist symbols as they descended on our nation's capital. But here's the tough truth. If you went to the jails where they're being held and asked some of the rioters who have been arrested, I bet you many of them would say, I'm not a racist. I know that many of the folks who gathered in Washington for the rally before the riot would claim the same. When I pray for conversion, I'm hoping that hearts and minds will change. Because there's a big difference between believing you are not a racist and committing yourself to being an anti-racist. But friends, that's what's on offer. Conversion isn't just about disavowing hate. It's about choosing hope, choosing love, choosing to actively, actively work against the structures that continue to segregate us, the structures that continue to disenfranchise and impoverish some in our society. God offers better than just passive declarations, I'm not a racist. God invites us to change our hearts and minds, to work together against racism, to work together for hope. White supremacy was not the only false religion we saw on full display on January 6. There was a t-shirt that got prominent billing in the coverage of the riot. It said, God, guns, and Trump. If that makes you chuckle, well, I'd invite you to pause. We live in a state with some of the most expansive gun rights in the country and some of the most tragic results. And the argument here, it's not just philosophical, it's theological. God, guns, and Trump. And proponents of expanding the carrying of guns in this state, they often talk about how they believe God gave them the right, and the framers of the Constitution enshrined it into law. In the name of defending that right, in 2007, Missouri legislators removed a required application to the local sheriff's office before purchasing a handgun. Since 2007, youth suicides have skyrocketed. Once every four days now, a young person in Missouri dies by a self-inflicted gunshot wound. In St. Louis City, we just had the deadliest year in 50 years. I'm praying for conversion because the false religion around our gun debate is death-dealing. We don't have to live like this. We can work for sensible change. No one is coming to take away the guns of law-abiding, sport-loving folks. No one wants to make it so you can't hunt pheasant or elk. But a cynical politics, a cynical theology has used this debate to divide us. It's a false theology. It really is. Another way is possible. God promises that we can beat our weapons into plowshares. We can protect gun owners and have background checks and keep guns out of the hands of kids and criminals. We can. There is hope. We just have to turn from the false divisions. We have to convert. When Dr. King wrote his book, he had a direction in mind. He wanted us to move away from chaos toward community. 
the, the Hebrew word for conversion means to turn around, to walk in a new direction. When I say I'm praying for conversion first, it's because I believe we need a new direction. All of us need a new direction before we can talk about unity or reconciliation. Four years ago, I told you we had to pray for our new president. I never imagined I would need to stand in the pulpit in this church and condemn so many of his actions. I really strive to be nonpartisan. I have deep love and affection for friends on both sides of the political aisle. But what has dominated the last four years hasn't just been about civil disagreement, about party. What has dominated our politics has been hateful and vengeful and mean. In this case, loving means praying for conversion, for my ongoing conversion and the conversion of those with whom I disagree. It means asking together, is this who we want to be? Knowing that the drumbeats of the old false gods were deep, Dr. King still had faith. Faith that we would stop allowing our politics to be hijacked by the ambitions of the cynical. Faith that we would prioritize the lives and livelihoods of the most vulnerable. Choose the God who hears the cry of the poor. Choose the God who asks you to step up for justice, whoever you are. When I say I'm praying for conversion, it's because I believe we can't continue to allow ourselves to be pulled toward hate, toward cynicism, toward the lies of cowardly men. God is coming to set people free. What will we choose? Chaos or community? Amen.